0: The Wi Hockey, periodically watching the World Cup during a Wi uh, Hockey recording podcast. This hasn't happened yet. I've recorded shows when I'm watching like the Champions League, but not the World Cup. Yeah. It's, By the uh, way, Brazil. Uh, it, it, it takes more than a fortnight
1: between uh, World Cups, so it's you know. Well, we did our last show before the World up. Cup
0: started, and then you know everything else happened, and now the World Cup is going on in the midst of our recording. And, uh, and this one just
1: isn't you? as this one just isn't as special with the with all the other stuff surrounding it. So. No,
0: it's not. Now it, I it's... will say I will say. Look, you're 100 percent right. I the nation of Qatar is awful. You don't need me to tell you that. Um,
1: <laughs> as are many other nations.
0: As are many other nations in the world, many of which have hosted World Cups, in-
1: including you know whatever the CIA is doing. But you know I th- think it's also enough. a
0: scale of of bad. You know anyway. I want to yeah, one to CIA. Uh, we should. Well, let's. Uh, Eva la revolution! Well, France, you know, they're, they're doing well, in spite uh, of the fact yeah. that all their entire team's hurt. So,
1: yeah, yeah, Poland. We
0: we had a, quite an animated discussion about the U.S. You and I.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, be, and I guess we can talk about that a little bit. But Poland did what they were, they were going to do, which was defend their way, defend their way into the round of 16 and then depending on their matchup pray they get a goal but uh you know that just um, really they
0: they were dire in this tournament.
1: I wish I wish the Polish strikers who didn't choke didn't play for Germany that's all I'll say
0: oh so what, who were you thinking of Lucas podolski I mean that's an old that's an old school reference oh you know. that's I mean, hey, there's, you know, the best goal scorer Germany of all time
1: was Polish, and he didn't play it for Poland.
0: Uh, me. I understand, but they were terrible. They shouldn't have made the knockout stage, and they did, because Mexico was just, anyway, they were even worse in some ways. Uh, <laughs> the U.S. did yeah. exactly what I thought they were going to do. I haven't talked about this much. I've tweeted about it. Normally, I guess in some cases I would write about this, but that just didn't happen this World Cup. Uh, the U.S. did what I thought they were going to do. I thought they played pretty decent soccer. It wasn't amazing. It wasn't terrible. Um, I expected them to lose to Holland. I didn't expect necessarily to watch them get counterattacked and lose. That's usually how they play in World Cups, but (laughs) it is a different U.S. team. And uh, I think our biggest disagreement was Gio Reyna. And I love Gio Reyna, but the dude is not the Gio Reyna in everyone's heads. I said that and I will continue to.
1: I think that's a false premise accepted. I think if he gets minutes early on, he start, he's not a sub. If he starts games, finds flows and stuff, he does has a much better performance, and he's able to contribute much more uh, than, than he did. But, I, you know, I just think the U.S. has to take gambles to get over the hump from being a team that when they qualify and when they're they get lucky groups like they did this year, that they're able to move through and make something of it. They never, they can never cop, capitalize on any opportunities they get, because uh, I think you know at, at this point they don't, they don't gamble and put their skill above everything else. They're starting to more and more, but uh, I would have liked to seen uh, more, more skill on the on the pitch and and guys who, you know, give you a better
0: chance. Gregor Walter put the best eleven that he had out there. I mean, you can quibble on some things. Josh Sargent was hurt and he. I'd really impressed me in this tournament in ways that I never thought I'd be impressed with Josh Sargent. And if people don't know, on my soccer analysis, I watched a pre-2018 World Cup friendly where Josh Sargent played, and the U.S. played Bolivia in Chester at a Subaru park. And after that game, where I was visibly unimpressed with Josh Sargent, I have been, not anti Josh Sargent, but I had been against him for a while, and this tournament proved to me what he is capable of, and he finally looked like the player that was hyped. But without him, this team was not they don't really have great strikers. Their center back issues are documented. Their best center backs were hurt. Um, <laughs> the midfield is – the midfield, I love that midfield. I really have – I love Yunus Musa. The problem is they don't have anybody who could really reasonably replicate what those three do in depth, and the only one who could come close was also hurt and couldn't really play any meaningful minutes, and that sucks. It's just the way it is. I think this team obviously has much more room to grow. I think they're going to continue to do so. There are going to be even more young players that will emerge over the next four years-ish before the 26 World Cup. It's too early to talk about who's going to be obviously there because nobody can predict where player development and how all of this goes. But I'm not disappointed with this team. It's what I expected of them. They played decent soccer. They had an identity. They have good players, some of whom stepped up, some of whom you know, it would be different if some of them weren't hurt. Gio Reyna was not 100%. It's just a fact. But that's the story of this team. I, I, I can't say that this was a disappointing World Cup because I wasn't disappointed by their performances. I wasn't disappointed by their results. I don't think their ceiling was much higher than they, than they reached. That's basically I, my idea. I opinion. think
1: we can both agree on two points, one being that from a fan perspective, the MLS but also the U.S. men's team is becoming much more enjoyable to watch. And that uh, the U.S. needs to do better at these tournaments, ba- you know, based on what, what what they're capable of.
0: I mean, there's the whole book. If you haven't read the book Soccernomics, it's a really good book on soccer and, you know, tying together GDP, national growth, all of this, and how, why certain nations succeed at the soccer level and why some don't. You can go read it and you can understand, like, the U.S. should be a great soccer nation. They could be great at anything because they are the United States, have the GDP of you know, 10 times that of other nations and have a 300-something million population. So, yes, but it's complicated. And you don't need to hear about yeah. us because that's, that's a discussion for when we inevitably get a best-on-best hockey tournament, which we need to get and we're never going to.
1: <laughs> yes. Bring back the real— We need to save
0: it for that back... when I complain about who the U.S. hires as what... coach for that tournament whenever it happens in the— indeterminate future because nobody could get their act together and figure it out. But the World Cup's been fun. I've really enjoyed it. I can't wait for the round of uh, eight, the quarterfinals. There are going to be some really good matchups. Watch it if you don't already. And also, please watch soccer, not just during the World Cup. As I said, MLS is great. If you're in Philadelphia, watch the Union. They're awesome. Like, everything you wish a lot of your sports teams could do and don't do the Philadelphia Union actually do and do it better than almost anybody else. And And I uh, was so heartbroken by what happened in the MLS Cup. And to hear me, somebody who grew up being taught to hate Philadelphia sports teams, and I don't have fondness for many of them say all these things about the Philadelphia union is pretty incredible. And that's a great Testament to everything that they have done. And uh, that's not just because the Aronsons are from Medford and nothing good has ever coming out of Medford until the Aronsons came along. So, you know, I joke about that, but seriously, if y'all been to Medford, there, there ain't a lot of stuff happening out there. I can tell y'all, um, anyway let's shift gears to hockey
1: from a yeah well just real quick from a hockey perspective you, you brought up uh, like best on best I, I think the best thing the NHL has done in recent memory was the World Cup of hockey and, and you know foregoing the Olympics for that and I well you know I shouldn't say that that's not necessarily the motivation behind it but uh, it brought about the World Cup of hockey
0: as and I wish if, if only but, if only Russia wasn't uh, ruled by a psychopath and then well, i guess we could have one you know ha- anyway put let's them, not get into that them, put
1: them as like you did like a young young european you did like a young north americans team you did a team europe you, you before the world cup of hockey has already established a precedence of making it work they could have included russian players without calling it russia without using a flag or any of that they could have done more or you know figure out a way to make it work Um, Or, you know, when this is resolved, this is something hopefully that they look to do because, you know, I thought it was great. And, uh, you know, the only of the best
0: thing that happened at that tournament, it was one of
1: the only times they showed creativity into advancing the game in a way that's more exciting for fans and include and, you know, it had merch, it had revenue possibilities as well. So I don't understand money. And for the good of the game is lining up. I, I I just don't get it.
0: Well, as I said, Team North America was the best thing that maybe the NHL has ever done. Like all of us remember Team North America, and it's incredible yeah. to think that we're almost at the point where we're going to get Team NA retrospectives from those players. It's kind of nuts that we're almost there. But that team was awesome. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I mean, yeah. there was there was I mean, much more fun. Than, it? What was what was the, Wasn't it the Sweden game that they played against Team North America, which was bonkers? I yeah, can't what if, which one what it was. if they did like a
1: North American old timers and it was like Crosby and like every uh, every big name over 30 and I, then they I, broke I them didn't up mind and doing there was that like an, an old, All-Star
0: game. Like but there was have like, like, like an old Legends versus, young. versus young stars kind of thing. Yeah,
1: an old versus young, yeah.
0: I think you that know, would just, be pretty
1: just, cool. why why not? I mean, you don't have to do it every year, right? You know,
0: you you, you do it once. Well, they should do it, it for the is. Florida, you know, All-Star game because obviously they should. But yes. I mean, it'll be, be what it'll be like with like Crosby Ovechkin, you know, uh, Evgeny Malkin, like all the ones that can go to the, you, to the all-star game
1: and you, you put it in a place them. where
0: you want to be. And then you have the young stars, you have like Trevor egress, you're going uh, Bedard next year, you know, things like that. And that would be a lot of fun. That would be a ton of fun, I think. But anyway, uh, we'll get to that. Let's talk about the Panthers. This is, there's a lot to get to. We haven't done a show in a while, obviously. But I really wanted to get to doing this show because there is a lot going on here, and even more so now that Patrick Hornquist has gone on LTIR and they can actually ice a roster. Uh, I also want to mention, cross my fingers, I don't know if I should be mentioning this on the air, but I'm going to do it anyway in fear of being, being jinxed. Looks like later this week we're going to have uh, Kevin Woodley on to talk goaltending. Panthers just went through Vancouver. Obviously he talks to Roberto Longo and Rob Tallis, he knows them well. Definitely want to get his thoughts on the Panthers goaltending, particularly Spencer Knight. And, also, a couple other goaltending questions around the league that are worth asking. He knows more about goaltending than I will ever know now, obviously. I could spend 60 years spending uh, time studying goaltending, and he'll know more than I'll ever know. So look forward to right. that. Uh, it should have happened already, but scheduling snafu has happened, and we got to be flexible. Um,
1: uh, and And also, you know, the the best thing and i think one of the things teams are tapping into more and obviously he can expand upon it better than i can but you know not just saving pucks but scoring pucks they're very good at you know using goalie tendencies using goalie data to tell you where's the best place to shoot how's the be- what's the best way to increase your odds of scoring with pre-shot movement and pre-shot passes things like that, um, you know, and, you know, he could probably talk about the left, left-handed left uh, cheat code shot um, and, and things like that. So be inter- I'm very interested to hear if, if we are lucky enough to get uh, Kevin on.
0: I, I can say that uh, last year when we had him on, there was obviously in a wonderful discussion on Panthers goaltending and goaltending in general. Uh, really want to know what he thinks about how things have changed from last year to this, which is going to be interesting, particularly with Spencer Knight. I want to see what he thinks about how his game has evolved and also asking some of the questions that you've asked me privately about him. Uh, but we'll get to that. We'll talk a little bit about that in general in just a second. It's, it's a, been a very, very weird year for the Panthers. I expected there to be you know, ups and downs because of the fact that they've changed so many players, they changed the coach. But they came off a stretch uh, since we've last done a show where Barkov has been sick and been, you know, in the midst of Panthers Twitter trying to make something out of um oh, how do I best put it? Uh I guess I'll use the you know, the the old daytime television baby mama drama stuff.
1: Whatever. It it's a sickness, you know, like that's that's what what's behind him missing games. And uh you know, I I would love to know more about this sickness and stuff that it, it's contagious, we know that.
0: Um, I think that there's yeah, been something so. going around South Florida. Like, there might be a, an upper respiratory infection. It's not COVID, but right. there's something, there might be something going around. And uh, I think some of his play can also be, uh, I guess, not excused, but can be explained by the fact that he's probably played well, somewhat sick and just and fought through it. His play
1: is 18 points in 19 games. Like, that's – I mean, sure, it's not Kachok who's put up – you know 34 and in 23 but again he he started off slow but he's come on strong and he's been doing a lot defensively and off you know the offensive score sheet um and you know all of his metrics everything looks good a lot of people just say he's he's snake bit uh, uh offensively so um, you bring you know, that it's up. It's not like he's not and playing. And I want to talk about
0: that because he's I wrote about with it last week. the first line
1: center, quality. You know, his line mates aren't suffering. You know, what can, what more can you ask for? You just hope by the end of the year it evens
0: out. I want to get to obviously the whole snake bit discussion, and I wrote about it on the Substack last week. And recent results haven't changed what I think about that, but obviously go read it and. The conclusion I came to, and I think the conclusion you came to as well, and just in general, is yes, the Panthers are snake bit, and they're not quite as snake bit as they were earlier, but they still very much are. But and Jack Han mentioned this when we had him on earlier in the month of November. To me, it's not oh, they're snake bit, and things will get back to normal eventually because things regress. To me, the story was why are they snake bit? What are they doing that is contributing to the fact that they're not scoring as many goals as they should. And they're giving up back-breaking goals way more often than they should. Even though defensively, if you look at the metrics, they are better than they were a year ago. So the questions I had to ask was, what is happening? And there are tactical things that Paul Maurice is doing that is contributing to this. You don't need to have us tell you that his lineup decisions are also playing a major role in this. You don't need to tell us that the Panthers' cap management has also played a role in this. When you put it all together, as we talked about the last time we did this show, if you make a bunch of marginal decisions and they all go wrong and you are playing on the margins as constructed by Paul Maurice to do, then you're going to lose games that you shouldn't lose because of the marginal decisions you've made. And nothing about recent games has changed that. They're getting a little bit luckier in recent games. And they're not playing poorly. Obviously, their last two games against Vancouver and Seattle, they played pretty well. But I think in general, what you see is a team that made a lot of decisions that it didn't need to make, and now it's costing them. And we talked about it before, if they just made those small changes, if Paul Maurice made the small little tweaks in just the way the Panthers play, and now they're going to have the ability to scratch the stalls, but say they did that, the floor of this team rises considerably. And I think the major conclusion that I came to is, If this team was really structurally deficient, we would have seen it come up in some of the key numbers and metrics that we have available to us publicly. And it's also been said by many people that the private metrics, the team models, like the Panthers even more than the public ones do. So it's not a complete structural failing. It's the little things that they are doing that are costing them games, even though structurally they're a top five team in possession in every single site you use.
1: And, and just just uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but just to give a quick example, it's you know, they're pretty good at breaking the puck out, but they could be better if the system was changed to have both of the D working more together to break the puck out to the center who's who has speed versus the center and one of Oh, excuse me. Versus the center and one of the D working together to break the puck out to a defenseman to start the rush. And, and that kind of difference, I think, would, would really increase shooting percentage uh, and
0: finishing chances off the rush. But I also mentioned this. We know that the Panthers forwards have to work harder defensively now because that's what they're being asked to do. And therefore, they're not quite as prolific on the rush as they have been. But this team has been designed as a rush team. We know what they are like when they're flying up and down the ice, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And their best players are rush players, Carter Hagee, etc. Cetera, etc. So perhaps Paul Maurice can then say to his forwards, hey, you can cheat a little more for offense. You know? We'll sacrifice a little defensively and give you a little bit more room offensively to do what you want to do and let those kinds of guys play into that rush game and lean into it a little more, and give him more layup chances. Here's how I would describe it. If Eric Spolstra needs to get Jimmy Butler some offense, what's he going to do? He's going to scheme up free looks for him. He's going to draw up plays that give him easy baskets to give him some confidence. Well, I
1: mean, like I don't don't even think it's cheating. Like I, I just think that they need to put the forwards in the spot to where they should be instead of, being in the being in more defensive spots, or being more adjusted or tilted back, so the defenseman can be in those offensive, in those prime soft ice spots, be in you know the right time the right spot, or be the one coming up with speed, leaving the zone, or you know entering the entering the offensive zone. So maybe like cheating is
0: the wrong word, but instead of
1: yeah. Being yeah, more, making the team play unburdening
0: them. them you, you know.
1: know taking away some of their duties they, you know they they're they're really almost pulling you know a lot of a lot of the forwards are pulling du- double duty like i can't believe that lost has 14 points lindell has 13 points with how much th- they do for the team defensively If you look at
0: their metrics, um, particularly Los sterane and I think is an interesting case in point in that, you'll see that his numbers don't look particularly great, and then you just wonder, oh, they're putting him in donkey work defensively. Like, he's got to do all sorts of nasty stuff defensively just to keep the team afloat, and his offense is still largely okay. But I think that comes down from the fact that the base structure of this team, which Paul Maurice hasn't really changed, and I think we have to say that, because if he did really change it, I think we would have seen it more in terms of, you know, their expected goals percentage and some of these things that we have available to us. It's the little tweaks that have caused, I don't want to say the, the heartache, but it has. But also, it's caused this team to be slightly different. And those slight differences when you are playing very close games every night. The, first, the, the Calgary game last Tuesday was the first time they played a game decided by more than three goals all season, which is crazy. That is kind of why I think this team is where it is. It's not growing pains. It's so much as the decisions they make, you add them all up, and they get to this point where they are going to cost you. And I want to talk a little bit more about that. But just to go back to the point on drawn-up plays, like, as I said, the little tactical tweaks to give a little more life to the forwards, you know, to give a little more life to these players who are really good on the rush and to give them a little bit more offensive leeway, give them a bigger margin for error, that's what you would do if you were, as I said, Eric Spolstra. If you're Mike McDaniel and you need to get Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle the ball, what are you going to do? You're going to drop plays for them. Paul Maurice can easily do things tactically that would allow his forwards, who need to get a little bit more offense, to get those plays right and to get a little more of those freebies. Last year, the Panthers got a ton of freebies because of the way they played. They were layups, basically. You know what I mean? And I think that's something that he can do if he wants to. And maybe we will now see this happen because he doesn't have to play the same lineup every night. And maybe now we'll not have to play a forward light because of the stupid roster management. So with that said, maybe that allows this team to be a little more free-flowing offensively while they don't have to sacrifice a ton of the things they've tried to add to their game.
1: I'm going to say something that I I can't believe what I'm saying. But I I think after what we've seen from Montour so far this year, one of the avenues for growth that the Florida Panthers have is through Brandon Montour. He signed at a pretty reasonable cap hit 3.5 or 3.25 or something like that this year and next year. Um, he's 28 His athleticism is his elite trait, Uh, and I think Florida can get even more out of him, have him play back more. I think he can handle, with his skating, with his competitiveness, with his good hand-eye coordination and stick, and uh, he's a physical player. He doesn't back down. He doesn't hesitate. You know, he, he always takes a step forward versus taking a step back. And when you're trying to shut down, you know, the, the McDavid's or these high-end skating players that you're going to face in the playoffs this year, like uh, Braden Point and stuff like that, um, you know, Pasternak, people like that, he he might have the ability to do that. But you have to start trying to put him in that position in, instead of just limit. Limiting him to just being that offensive rover and 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 i and I really believe that you know that's one of the ways that Florida can really improve their back end if they can't make trades. turn him into more than what he is. he's showing you that he's capable of it. Give him a forsling who he has great chemistry with you know forsling is second on the team in plus minus he's he's putting up 18 points he's he's playing on the power plays, playing on the penalty kill he's doing every, he's doing really well you know give him a mon- give him with Montour and and see what they can do and, and you know trust that Montour is good enough that he doesn't need the head start in the in the D zone to to get up in the rush he can figure out ways to activate more from the red line in uh and, and more from the fourth guy in on rushes and, and in, in, so in the zone you know, off the cycle, I, I just see so much more potential and more, so much more translatable uh, value from Montour in that sort of setup, you know, treating him like a, a real top four defenseman versus just like utility, special offensive Uh, player
0: and here's where Uh, i i find this interesting because we talked a little before the show about how it doesn't feel like ekblad forsling is working and yeah when i think about that obviously it's very difficult when you have you know five defensemen that you like and one that none of us enjoy mark Stahl, (laughs) and you're trying to find a way to ensure that you get your best players you know, on the back end, your best matchups. And one of the things they don't want to do, although maybe they're going to have to do it now, depending on how injured Radko Gudis is, is, you know, break up Mahura Gudis. If you look at uh, all of the stats at even strength, Mahura might be their second best player in terms of expected goals, which again, bonkers. But I think for me, I would try, uh, I would try Forsling and Montour now and just run them. Because one of the things that we know the Panthers have and I think Jack Hahn mentioned it on that show that we did is they've got guys who can just go. They've got motors that never, ever stop. These guys are, you know, as we said, athletes. And in that way, use them like athletes. You know, we talk about that these, a lot of these players having to do the donkey work, you know, for lack of a better term, since we're focusing on soccer, have your guys who do the donkey work, be the guys who can skate for 70 hours without, you know, breaking a sweat. And that's Forsling and Montour. And just let them do that. You know what I mean? Maybe then play Ekblad with Mahura and try it. Because, I mean, you are still in a point where you're not out of this by any means, even though, obviously, they're not on the right side of the line at the moment. But it's time, I think, to maybe look at some changes. And now you have a reason to. Because the injuries and how this is all piled up has maybe given an excuse to say, hey, Forsling and Montour, when Ekblad was out, was awesome. Those two played absolutely brilliant hockey together. Now maybe we can make a change and say, hey, let's put those two together and see if we can use them in that way. They don't have to maybe get the prime defensive matchups, but if you're going to try to, again, use the defenseman the way the Panthers are in their rush game, in the way they're trying to use them offensively, you might as well put them together and see what happens because the best defenseman for the Panthers this year, and I, as you said, I can't believe we're saying this, has been Brandon Montour, which I never would have guessed. You might as well, you know, strike while the iron's hot.
1: Well, I, I would say he's the second best. I think Forsling has been the best, then Montour, then Mahora. Uh, you know, it's been a tough year for Ekblad, but I think by the time we're done the year, he's gonna, you know, pull back to. I'm not the worried usual about so. Ekblad
0: overall. I just think that yeah. he has the, the injury hasn't. I'm helped.
1: worried. I'm worried about finding a partner for him. Like, you know, I, we will be continuing in to in be future. worried about that forever, you know? I guess. Yeah, I. But I, I think partners, your point on Montour Markoff is well taken. Coaches, you know, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I but I'm looking forward to seeing it you know if Maurice is willing to use the cap space that Hornquist's L T I R I know you know it's said to be concussion or you know, head related and stuff and you don't wish that on anyone. Um but I, I'm sure Florida has at least more breathing room now with, with this cap space.
0: Mm-hmm. So the reporting from George Richards suggests that it is a concussion and they're not going to take any chances with it. He's probably had multiple concussions in his career. Uh, LTI means you miss 10 games or 24 days, so the earliest he could possibly return would be those um, end-of-December games against Montreal and Carolina. The tie-in to Anthony Duclair is, as George reported, he hasn't started skating yet. Uh, it's about four to six weeks from his injury to return when he starts skating – so we're not anywhere near an Anthony Duclair return yet. All of us in our, in our minds had the LTI Hornquist fantasy they bring on Anthony Duclair and they actually still have a little cap space to spare to do something. We're not at that point yet, but we're also still far away off from Duclair returning. And this LTI now gives the Panthers breathing room. Because having to watch them with minor nicks and scrapes have to play with 17 forwards and 19 players is just insane. They did not have to do this, and that's part of what I wrote about with their cap management and the things that they're doing. A lot of you know the playing with 17 uh, skaters, having to play the stalls every night. They didn't have to do that. Their management has forced them to do that, and it's cost them games. It has taken away opportunities for them to win games because of that. And if you talk about how they blew two games against St. Louis and Edmonton that they shouldn't have blown, and some of these games that they could have easily won on the road you know, against bad teams that they lost to, you swing those two games, the Blues game and the Oilers game, and you give them two wins against Chicago, Philly, Arizona, Columbus. We're not having this discussion of this team being on the bubble the way they are. And it's those little decisions where I say it's cost them that it has cost them. Now, obviously I hope Patrick Hornquist is okay. He's probably, as you said, had a ton of concussions, and I hope that he is going to recover. We've seen what happened with Jake Borachek, probably not going to play again this year because of the concussion he suffered, which is horrible. This team now has the ability, though, with that cap space to actually ice a full roster and start to do the things they've needed to do all year but couldn't do because of their own management, which is play other players, scratch the stalls, try different things out. You're not going to lose much because the stalls have been net negatives in almost every single way. Even if Mark Stahl's been tolerable, Eric Stahl is just it's not working. These are not every night NHL players anymore. And now you can see what you have with Matt Keirstead in the lineup, who was fine. Try something else out. As you said, you joked with me before the show, with Chris Tierney, but even then, I'd rather see him in the lineup than Eric Stahl. Bring up Anton Levci. This is the chance you have now to see what you've got. And with some of these other injuries that they've got with Barkoff still being sick and who knows what's going on with Anton Lundell, you might as well give it a try. You still have to play for two points every night. It's not like they have a cushion. But after they just won two games playing down a forward and with Lundell hurt and the Saturday night game in Seattle with two players injured during the game playing with, what was it, 16 skaters by the end of the game?
1: 15, I think. 15,
0: I think. Just absolutely bonkers. You might as well just try it. What's going to be the harm at this point? You've already proven that you can somehow stay afloat, even in spite of your own mistakes. Obviously, they should be better than they are, and they're not. But even with the stalls playing way more hockey than they should, and some of these lineup decisions being, again, questionable, there's still a top-five team in possession, according to every metric, and the private models like them even better. Why not give yourself a chance to turn all of that good stuff into wins, Give I, your team more margin for error.
1: Yeah, I mean, on top of that, I think you have to give a chance for, you yeah. know, like bringing in a guy like Levji over Tierney or Stahl, um, you know, bringing seeing what Carlson can do or Kierstead and stuff w- without Mark Stahl. Um, and... and or, you know, even a Knoonan or a Ludwig or whoever they want to bring up. Um, it gives them more data. It helps them figure out, you know, the, the, the team more. But also, I mean, I think the more you try, the more opportunities you have to build off of it. And, and right now they're in a good mindset. They're, you know, on a little bit of an upswing. They feel a little more settled in net. Uh, there's so many reasons why you can really take advantage of the of the current you know confidence and, and feeling in the locker room right now. You, you're going to have some money on the board in Winnipeg for sure. And um, Paul Maurice's return, they're going to be motivated to play well. As you know, Winnipeg's going to be very motivated to to show up. And, you know, they're a very good team this year. And here's what's team. funny
0: about that. I, again, apologize for interrupting you. But when you think about what was the worst case scenario for this team, which I don't know if we've hit, but Ekblad being hurt was definitely part of it. They've missed Barkov for a substantial chunk of time now with this illness. You know, they've had other injuries that they've been nicked up here and there. They had Kachuk suspended for two games. And they are still, even in spite of all the things that we said that are negative, that are truly negative. This team has found a way to continue to build on the foundation that is this is a dominant five-on-five team, and that still hasn't changed, even in spite of the fact that they've done a lot of things that I vehemently that, disagree with.
1: Yes, but also you could look at it that they haven't made any steps forward in a lot of respects.
0: I also agree with I mean,
1: you could say that the step forwards is that they've become a, a – you know. Maybe they're even more efficient at driving chances, but they're less efficient shooting. And it's not just the, regre- the regression that was expected. It's a lot more than that.
0: Well, uh, I also wanted to bring up another point that Jack Hahn made. I'm going to cite that podcast forever because it was really instructive. A lot of the things that they do in terms of player acquisition, they look for a lot of skill sets, but they don't have a truly dynamite finisher that is one of the things they that have, they just don't have. They've got I a mean, lot they, of good finishers, but they don't have an elite finisher on this roster. I mean it's Barkov.
1: That's the problem. I mean we, like that's the that's one of the problems on the team is their 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 use and concept of how to get the most out of Barkov is incorrect and their view on how to get the most out of defensemen and and how to use a defense in general, how to draft them, how where to draft them, etc. I think is just wrong. Those are the two things that I continually link to some of the big ills plaguing, you know, plaguing the team and you know it, to me they're one they're fighting with Detroit for one wild card spot and a couple other teams are hanging in there in that fight too. Things can change very quickly, but also it seems things change quickly Going down the standings. They don't change as quickly going up the standings. Uh, You know, Pittsburgh, who's in the other wild card spot, is, you know, close in the points. But you have to understand that Pittsburgh's going to be throwing the kitchen sink at getting in the playoffs this year. Uh, It's not I I it's not very likely that they lose that spot given their history of making the playoffs with guys. Who have no name, have no experience, et cetera, because you know their top players deliver. Obviously, with uh, Chris Letang's stroke and you know hopefully you know recovery and, and you know his his life outside of hockey. First, um, the, I you know is that a hole that they can't overcome? I'm not so sure because they've won a cup with a terrible defense. They've you know they've kind of been able to overcome. Any defense—they're injured every single personnel. year. Personnel, yeah, yeah. So I, I, you know, you you have to trust that they're going to be getting in on one of these wild card spots, and you're going to have to fight out Detroit and the other guys. Here, here's the it. other
0: thing that I think is is concerning from a playoff perspective for the Panthers, though. I think they've got still plenty of runway to figure this out. The problem is your soft spots are in the Metro; they're not in the Atlantic. Boston's already run away with this. And yes, beating them was really hilarious. And it's the fact that the only time the Bruins have lost this season in the United States is to the Panthers. That is funny. Toronto's got enough OT losses where it doesn't matter. And Tampa's Tampa. We knew what Tampa was going to be at this point. You know, so those three are pretty locked in. Although, again, the Panthers could go on a run, catch fire, and maybe get up to where Tampa is. But that's, I wouldn't say it's likely, but it's still possible. The soft spots are in the Metro, and that doesn't help you. You know, maybe right. Carolina's exactly. not been amazing. They have even a bigger finishing problem than Florida has. The Islanders are overperforming, but Elias Sorokin's playing out of his skull. So you've got to worry, I think, about that. I don't know how good Detroit is. Every time I look at the Red Wings, I see them playing a halfway decent team, and they get their butts whooped. So I don't know. The Panthers have also owned the Red Wings. We'll see what that looks like when they start playing them. But to me... They have the runway, but anything that they can do to give themselves a bigger margin for error is important here. They've already lost the chance of being anywhere near safe because Boston has done what they've done and Toronto spent a lot of time losing in overtime. So that is really going to be key. And the Lightning are just going to do Lightning things. This is who they are. So that's why I'm saying Boston being way better than anybody thought you know, and running away with this has taken away all of that margin for error for the Panthers in a way that the Metro does not have because I still have questions about Carolina. I still have questions about the Islanders in terms of the playoffs. And I mean, that's why I think in some ways, even though the Rangers are in way worse shape than the Panthers are currently, you could feel a little bit better about the Rangers in that playoff sense because they've just got a bigger error band. And that's why I said when I've talked about the Panthers and the decisions that they've made, taking away that error, you know what I mean? That has really hurt them, and they've regressed in overtime. They're 1-4 in overtime this season, and last year they feasted in overtime. So all of this comes together, and it gets you a team that has lost more than it's won, even though they have been a team that shouldn't have, because possession-wise they are very, very good. That's kind of what I've been saying, and now that they have more margin for error with their roster and some of the decisions that they can make, I'm just hoping that they use it because that can give you an opportunity to chain together wins. Here's the other thing that's very funny. They don't have a streak of any kind longer than three games this season. They have no winning streak that's longer than two. They have no losing streak that's longer than two. They have no point streak longer than three. There's been no consistency in terms of their overall results. When it looks like they maybe turn a corner... You know, beat Boston and play pretty decently, all things considered. They then blow a lead against the Blues. You know, just when it looks like, all right, this might go in the toilet, they just no showed in Calgary. They then absolutely wreck the Canucks and Kraken in spite of their lineup issues. There's not consistency in their results, even if you can see consistencies in their play. Now I want consistency in results. It's December. It's time to get that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't the the one thing i won't blame the panthers on this year is basically having boston have a 44 goal
0: oh there's not you can't do right anything about what with, these other teams you know, do and i've said that repeatedly I, but it I, just takes away their error
1: yeah but i mean that's why it's imperative that you can't sit on leads that's why it's imperative that you figure out a way to get on streaks early and you take chances like I'm going to put somebody new in the lineup that I think can spark the lineup. I'm going to put them in, with, in a place where I think they can succeed. And, you know, I'm going to use them to their abilities and I'm going to stop playing guys who are old, tired, and maybe hurt and aren't playing well. Uh, but, you know, it's in a similar vein that people want them to move forward with night and we'll get more in on night probably next now that I brought it up. Mm-hmm. But, you know for tons of reasons the panthers need to start giving him like 65% of the remaining schedule and the the reason one of the reasons is you want them to build on something you want them to throw a bunch of wins together right now and instead of be instead of us talking all year about fighting for one of the two wild card spots we're talking about how close that gap is to tampa to get back into the atlantic and not have to play a one seed in the first round. If we,
0: as I said, if you gave them the six points that they threw away, not all of the bad losses on the road, but the two against St. Louis and Edmonton, and then two of those wins on the road against teams that they vastly outplayed but lost to, they're on what thirty-four points, and we're not having this discussion. So yeah, that's what I mean, we're talking even about. if they
1: just get those two wins that the that they threw away and should have won, uh, you know, those Edmonton and and St. Louis, um, you know, they're a point behind Tampa with a you know, a game behind Tampa, but you know, they, they've played one more game than Tampa, but still uh, it's not too bad. Uh, you're you're we're talking about that. But everything's close in hockey though. I mean like how and that's many why times marginal
0: decisions matter so much. Because everything's a one puck league. This is a one puck league.
1: Every, and that's why every team thinks that they're in it. All the way through the trade deadline every year, even teams you know that are you know six in the wild card standing because they're you know technically two games if you know two games out of it. If they have two games of good results, and another team stumbles, they're they're in they're back in it. Um, You're right. So it's I don't think Florida though should be worried. You know us as fans are worried about it, but I think internally I don't think they should be worried about it. I think they should be worried about stacking uh better better outcomes and 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 trying to get a, sh- a street together trying to keep improving
0: this is the uh, time to done- do it because you play pittsburgh you play detroit if you win those are four point games you play yeah. tampa these are four point games like if the panthers on this coming weekend said screw it we don't care about the kraken we're going all in on beating the lightning which they should do anyway, because they should always go all in on beating the lightning. But again, imagine what happens if they beat Detroit, Tampa and Pittsburgh in this stretch that they're in. We're, we're going to have a completely different discussion. If they are able to do that, you know, these are the kind of games. Now, if you go all in, you go on a streak at this moment, like, yeah, it's nice to beat Vancouver and Seattle, but it doesn't affect the standings in the same way as going on a streak against teams that are right around you in the East. Then we're talking a different discussion. And As you said, they should not be worried in the fact that they are where they are. I mean, they should be mad that they don't have the results in many ways. But largely, as we said outside from a couple of issues, the process is perfectly acceptable. They just need to build on it and build that consistency in the results. And that is going to require, as we said, those little adjustments and tweaks. And let's get to goaltending. We'll talk more about it with Kevin Woodley in the future. But it might be time... To really give Spencer Knight just a long run, and I think it's already started. But I think after these last couple of games, maybe the Edmonton game sold it for a bunch of people, which he that may have been one of his best games ever. Um, and I, 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 he,
1: I can't, I can't keep, we can't keep keep saying no. This. Like I, I understand one of his best
0: that. games ever. Yeah, he's played fifty
1: games. Which, when you think about it, it sounds like oh yeah, that's a lot for a goalie his age. Which it is, but it's over to what two and a quarter seasons. Two in a little more than a quarter because he had the end of the first yes. year. Yes, right, or you know, or I don't even know, or what I I don't know how many. I
0: think his, Well, I like he needs
1: re- to be playing more games. So that's the one. That's the number one reason to be playing him more. And now if, I think he's Bob, going to be playing more. If if Bob, you know, you gave Bob twenty five games to get his head right. I think the split is like thirteen to twelve or something. With Spencer Knight actually playing a little more than Bob right now. Um, which again, deserve, but he gave him, you know, a, a little over a quarter of the season, he gave him past Thanksgiving uh, to, and his head, the Panthers. I mean, it's not all on Bob. The Panthers defense is bad at his age. Bob definitely needs a system that suits him to get the best results. We know that pa- Florida did not make the changes for that to happen and that gives opportunity for Spencer Knight, who, you know, is too young and inexperienced in the league to have those, you know, traumas, to have, you know, to kind of be facing the d- decline and not being able to do some of the things you used to be doing, not being as good as, you you know, you want to be and, you know, you think you're physically fit to be, um, and, and some of that. Um, and, you know, Knight's been good. He's taking you know, his opportunity, but there is still a lot of blemishes. I I don't, I, I, I think what he does is he, he gives a little more confidence to the skaters that if he gives up a bad goal, which he does, and they're usually from far away and glove side or high blocker side that, you know, he's, he's a little better at rebound control. He's a lot better at moving the puck than Bobrovsky. He helps out in a lot of other ways And he also has a lot of other ways to gain confidence and get back in the games, which has been helping him versus Bobrovsky who really only need, who really has to string together big post to post saves to kind of gain back confidence versus, versus a who can, you know, get into a game earlier playing the puck, um, you know, build confidence that way, uh, you know, get a sense of the game that way, um, you know, and, You have to ride that right now.
0: I think that there's a confidence level with him and the fact that he's played in a lot of those games where he's been really under duress and he's just done the Spencer Knight stereotypical things, right? The calmness, you hear about that all the time, right? He's done all of that. And I think what this team has needed with all of the injuries, the having to play a man light so many times, the challenges that they have faced, self-inflicted, They've needed that calmness in net. And I just – Sergey Bobrovsky's style is not like that. He actually plays quite well in last year when they were the rush team. He played pretty well because he knew it was going to happen. There's a predictability, I think, in in saying, as you said, he needs a similar system. The tweaks they've made this year have not helped him in terms of the way that he's played. I can't articulate why that is maybe Kevin Woodley can – but it's clear that Spencer Knight fits in a little better right now with the updates that Paul Maurice and his staff have wanted this team to, you know, have systemically, as compared to Bobrovsky. I don't. Again, I can't tell you why that is. I can just tell you that I mean, it feels like I, that's happening. I
1: have, I have a lot of theories. I don't. I. I think the changes Florida has asked Bobrovsky to do have ultimately hurt his game. I think that, um, you know. A lot of it is not so much like the the systems directly, but the way the Florida plays now, he's not b- getting chances to make early easy saves and find his groove in the games. He's sitting around for the first couple games and then he's getting an onslaught of rush chances. He's making one or two saves, but then giving up a save that maybe it's not a bad goal, but a goal uh, a time when you really want to save backbreakers. And, and- you know, and and that's and then he's after a while fatigue or him starting to doubt himself because he's giving up a lot of those kind of goals. He gives up a really embarrassing goal. Like his worst goals are comical, unfortunately, and I think that gives him a lot. And you know, his numbers aren't great, and you know, there's a lot of things that make make his team, make fans, make a lot of people have not have confidence in him. And I think with Knight, you know, he's playing a little better uh, and he doesn't have those issues. So I think it's just a better fit. I think that Barofsky still has a chance to be a goalie like he was last year in the right system. Maybe it's a system that's very much like Maurice, but it's a team that treats their goalies better, that has better game management. Those are two areas that I think Florida needs to learn, and they didn't have last year really either. But for whatever reason, Bob was more confident or, you know, uh, you know, Bob just fared better. But this year it's been off to a rough start, and he hasn't been able to, to win the net back.
0: And I think that one of the things we know about both of these goalies is, like, the, the, when they're at their best, both of them get a consistent run of games. And you can't do that with both of them. And right now, you have to give Spencer Knight a consistent run of games. You have no choice. I mean, yeah,
1: I think Spencer Knight is a lot better at not getting that many games because it's more of like a college schedule. Like, oh, yeah, I play once or twice a week. You know, I'm I'm used to that. Uh, But Rossi's definitely not used to it, definitely doesn't like it, doesn't, you know, help him. I mean, he has been through his career the alpha dog. Like, he's been the guy. in in Philadelphia it was the same way. When he was given the reins, he did a lot better. I mean, he still had a lot of faults. He was still young. He still had a lot of strength and and awareness to put in his game. But uh, when he played more, he did better. And Knight Knight also he does a lot better when he plays more. Like if he if they give him these four games, I don't think that any of these four are back to back, right?
0: Well, when uh, you think about it, it's Winnipeg. Then it's. Detroit, Tampa, Seattle is a back-to-back, but at the rate you're going, you're giving Spencer Knight Tampa, and you're going to give Bobrovsky Seattle because right. the Tampa game means more.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, but there's no you know, there's no layup you, you game need... that
0: you can give Bobrovsky to play because you're playing a bad team. They're well, playing no, on the second half of a right back-to-back. now. Like
1: unfortunately, that. no layup game. There is no layup game for the Panthers or Bobrovsky right now. Um, this is true. The Panthers are at least going the right direction, whereas Bobrovsky seems to be kind of treading water in the I'm floundering stage. Well, there's also Uh, something
0: interesting that I think I mentioned in the story. Look at the hockey viz stats, you know, the heat maps that Micah puts together. Look at the saving. Look at where goals are coming and those red hexagons. There's a lot of point shots, which is Spencer Knight, but it's a lot of left circle stuff. And we didn't see that last year. Again, I'll have to ask Kevin Woodley, is this a tactical thing? Is it something that these teams have cued in on in terms of Spencer Knight? Is it something with Bobrovsky? You know, these are questions that need to be right asked, and I want to know. It's just that we need to see that. And I think right now, as you said, it, like, this, Sergei has played poorly, but you've got to run with Spencer Knight because you do need results. As much yeah. as I think they'd like to be managing the goalies differently, I don't think they have a choice at this point
1: i mean and and let me be honest like the goals that Spencer Knight gives up you know you are from outside and stuff like that, whatever they're a lot easier you know Barrovski's giving up you know kind of goals that are closer um and things like that it, it's a little more backbreaking so it has that effect um with with Knight I think the reason he's kind of giving up those longer way shots and stuff are those are some of the opportunities especially with how Florida collapses where shooters really if they get open really have time to like set themselves and rip it and you know if they have a clear shot it will be it will beat Knight I don't think it's because Knight's not a good goalie I think Knight still behind where he should be when it comes to tracking and handling high NHL shots. Yes, he's been practicing, but, you know, he's only played 50 games in the NHL. And relying on him at this age when he's relatively healthy, young, and can play more, uh, I think makes a lot of sense to quickly iron out those long shots. Because it's more likely that you can prevent those long distance shots, goals against then prevent goals against that are in more prime scoring areas. One thing like in the face about off. Spencer
0: Knight is that technically like he is extremely good down low and you've seen teams try to get him down low and they're really struggling to do that. And yeah. that is, and again, I think that when you have that sort of situation that can help in a pretty major way. And that's why I think, again, it doesn't feel like those goals are the same level of backbreaking, you know? Yeah,
1: I I would be curious to know how much of those upper net goals that he gives up are strengths, you know, our upper body strength that will eventually, you know, fix itself over time because you know Spencer Knight is young, but he's also very hardworking, so you have to figure he's going to get as much body mass these, as these these are you know, Kevin Wo- these are awesome. Kevin Woodley
0: questions that hopefully yeah, but, he will be able to answer. Uh, you know, like, but
1: again, it's. The goals that Knight gives up are goals that are lower danger, I think easier to prevent um, and more likely to be prevented in the future from goalie correction than the goals Bobrovsky is giving up. And that's, you know, another reason. We didn't even talk about, you know, business reasons for this. But I think it it's b- very beneficial for Florida to give Bobrovsky a very good look at and trial run as a legit backup in Florida. And, you know, he's going to have to deal with the the, the the swords emojis and, you know, everybody tweeting good night and all this stuff and only getting to play maybe once a week or twice, you know, a couple times a month depending on how many back-to-backs and, and all of that. Um, and and really see if that's something that he wants to to do next year and the, and finish out this year, or if he's going to be amenable to being moved, at, or bought out or whatever it's going to be, um, because he he'll want a different opportunity. Because that's one thing about Bobrovsky. As much as you might say it's clear as day, he doesn't got it. He's never going to get it again. You know he what he he's just going to sit in Florida. And just be happy because he knows he's toast. That's not how competitive at, former, you know, Vesna-winning goalies act. You know, we've seen it with Curtis Joseph and you know uh, and and Hextall, and uh, I'm sure there's multiple goalies I can think of that Tim Thomas, guys that really probably played too long or pro- thought that they were better than they were at the older age because they just have that competitive spirit. They have that desire and they might be physically fit enough to be that good. But, you know, age catches up to everybody or situations and fit that they can get. Like, you know, you, you're not, you're not always going to get the prime optimal fit for you at that age because of, you know, teams, that team might not want you because you're old. Yeah, you know, they they no. might already have a solution. The
0: Bobrovsky contract is something that we will eventually get to. I, there's a lot going to happen, but I mean, I know, I know,
1: I was very confident early on in Claude Giroud of Florida, so I don't want to say it's that type of energy, but I think that there are some ways to get rid of this contract. Uh, you know, depending on the appetite of a team. To get to, well, to buy if they're
0: somewhat interested but, in an Eric Carlson trade, well, that's what I was talking about.
1: That's what I was going to go to it. Well, you know, other than a buyout or a trade, you know, a trade to a team to buy them out, um, I could see a team like San Jose, you know, and Carlson. You know, what team is going to tell San Jose, listen, we'll take ten million of Carlson's contract. But you take Bobrovsky. That's Bobrovsky's contract ends a year earlier. You know they're in a rebuild. They can hand You know they might be willing to handle that um, if you make it worth their while and other assets and stuff like that. And to give Carlson a chance to win and do, you know that's what he wants. That might be where you know the best team or the best offer he'll prove to. Um, and I think it could. I mean Carlson would t- would be taking home a lot of money. He would like that. It's a nice place to live, so it's not too hard to leave San Jose, and he wants to win. Florida needs help on the power play. They derived the way they play defense based on what Eric Carlson did <laughs> previous, you know, and and still think and, and still is doing this year and is saying that he's got many years left and he's good to go and the way he's playing right now you you believe if he's like 60 70 percent right it might be worth it for florida because it might be the best use of Bobrovsky's contract like yes carlson's contract sucks like lorato luongo's did but florida got some good mileage out of luongo's contract Carlson is at, is playing way better than the was any time around trade rumors to Florida let alone the actual time he was traded to Florida it's um, gonna be a
0: heck of an interesting situation if something like that were to happen because it would be a really complicated trade but I, I don't know how complicated it would ha it it has to be
1: though if if you know He's 11.5. Bobrovsky's 10. Right? And if and if you have San Jose take it to even it out 10 to 10 that you're trading, cap wise, that works this year. In the next it's 10 yeah.
0: I mean, but there would be assets involved. It's a complicated yeah. comp. And he might not want to do Florida, although I, I can understand why Eric Carlson but might out want of to. All, yes. But how many teams that
1: he would choose over Florida can handle him? Can he even handle it at at what, six at forty percent or sixty percent or whatever sixty percent or whatever. Yeah, and you would yeah. need
0: to pay them in more and draft four, and assets years. to to I do it. I mean a like huge it's four more years. There's also the element of like the Sharks aren't gonna be good for a while. They're gonna yeah. try to keep tearing it down and they should and, because and maybe because this boy, is obviously. a better
1: move in the off season. Maybe it's a better move in the off season, but I still think Other than Ottawa, who has a ton of cap space and a ton of prospects to make it work, or a team like Washington or Pittsburgh, who, you know, I don't know if they have the caps. Pittsburgh or Washington will next year when they have all these guys coming off the books. You know, they're teams that are willing to throw it all at for Carlson, like Ottawa for the, the emotional connection and they're, they're trying to be moving forward and, and all that stuff. They could make it work. Um, I don't think like a Rangers or, or you know, I don't think LA is interested in that. I think LA would be more interested. Like you would in,
0: think a team that's on the rise and can take that big next step might want to do it, but he but might not be a, a harder sell for those teams
1: but it would ha- it has to be a team that is still that still needs a like I don't like I don't think LA is going to take that big of a risk in a Carlson because they're doing so well. They don't need to take that big of a risk. I mean, that they is a, a goalie. You know, r- what, you know what I mean? Like for, when it comes to defense and stuff, like a Chikrin makes way more sense and is something they could probably get done. A lot more cap certainty. The age range works out, even though the injury concerns are probably equal. You know, whatever. You know, at least Chickering's probably insured. You know, because that's that's probably the the hardest thing is whether Carlson's contract's insured or not. But who knows?
0: I I think it's it's definitely worth considering that it could happen. I don't know whether it will or not. It would be a very complicated trade because the Panthers' cap situation. But if revenues continue to go up. The cap situation becomes a little less dicey in the future. A little bit. And by the end of the Carlson contract, the cap's exploded. So it's not the same level of concern.
1: Yeah. And and again, if you are Florida right now, you're looking at paying moving Bobrovsky, especially the way he's playing. If you can get a team that's willing to take on Bobrovsky and the bad contract you're getting back is Eric Carlson. That's a lot better than I. Think that's why a, I think there's this, a chance that
0: it could happen because it's saying, bad a contract for bad contract. I, I think and,
1: it's something that the GMs will definitely talk about. I don't know how close it'll actually, or how far it'll actually go, but I think there'll definitely be conversations, because.
0: That's why when 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 what, Elliot Friedman mentioned Carlson in Florida, we know that Bill Zito does not care about taking gigantic swings but because of the contractual situations and the cap situations that these teams have, and because Florida is obviously a team that can win the Stanley Cup, maybe not this year, but certainly in the immediate future they can, it would be something that I think that they could heavily consider. And I wouldn't be surprised because the Panthers are linked with everything. There are a couple other players I want to talk about before we, we start to transition away. Um, I don't think we're talking about Matthew Kachuk enough. You said to me before the show that we probably shouldn't be talking about him as much. I don't think that's the way to put it, but he's doing what he was acquired to do. But I don't think we appreciate how insanely good he's been. And considering what's happened with Jonathan Huberto in Calgary, I know the Calgary Flans chanted that on on Tuesday night, but I mean, come on guys, We, we can all read numbers. He has been, I don't think the only reason the Panthers are staying afloat, but he's been insanely good. Like, best left winger in the league, non-Jason Robertson department, kind of good. And if this kind of play continues, I don't think it's out of the question to suggest that we might be talking about a heart candidacy for him. He wouldn't win it, obviously, with Robertson and McDavid existing, but we could be talking about that if this kind of play continues, because this is not Barkoff-fueled. He did it when Barkoff was not on his line, did it when he was on his line. He's done it when he's been in the lineup and out of it. He's been, again, everything you wanted him to be and then some. And I don't think we are talking about how good he's been enough. I think it's, a lot of that's because we're yelling at the stalls being continued to be played and Paul Maurice, but we're not focusing enough, I think, in a good way, on how just insanely good Matthew kachuk has been. And I understand that he was acquired to do this. You wanted him to be a unicorn, and he's been a unicorn, but we should appreciate that he is a unicorn, and he's a unicorn for the Florida Panthers when they've needed him to be a unicorn.
1: I mean, it, it's very helpful that he is as advertised. He's picking up where he left off last last year, and uh, he's found chemistry with a few few players. Um, one of the things that I guess makes me hesitant to—I know you know Bennett's one of the possible trade candidates. Whether it's because they need cap space or they need a defenseman or or what have you, but Bennett had great chemistry with L. He's got great chemistry with. Chuck and it allows the possibility of more dynamics in your forward lineup more versatility i don't, I don't want them to trade sam bennett you know because i
0: think he has also been one of these players that is keeping this team afloat because obviously now he has to with the two top centers out but he has played i think really really well and been underrated well, in terms a, of his consistency
1: Another reason to go after a guy like Carlson is because if you go after other defensemen, you're probably going to have to give up a Sam Bennett, if you know, not the Sam Bennett, to, to get that defenseman where San Jose is not going to have any interest in, in Sam Bennett.
0: I mean, if they're going to be you get, tearing it down to the studs and rebuilding, right. Right. there is that kind of concern, they were going to want prospects, and that's a different kind of concern. I think Sam Bennett's been awesome yeah. this season. I think he's really stepped up of late. Also, Carter Verhage, I think, has got, what is it now, 14 goals. I mean, yeah. he and also, I think a lot of the talk we've had about Carter Verhage is, again, Barkov field, because Barkov's obviously amazing, but he's now doing it without him. He's done it when he's been on his line. Carter Verhage's this good. He's been awesome, and his goals have been absolutely necessary for this team to stay afloat and, Again, I can't I can't say enough good things about how well he's playing specifically now, and it's it's been those three guys and Brandon Montour I guess who have been keeping this team head above water when it really has no business because of the injuries and other problems that they've had and I think we need to celebrate those those guys quite a bit. Um, I do want to mention the one rumor that we saw floating around it's ITK which who the hell cares about any of that but. The idea that the Duclair trade partner uh, could be Toronto for Radko Gudas is something that, again, probably isn't going to happen. But if it did, because the Leafs need defensemen, and they particularly would like a defenseman like Radko Gudis because uh, Toronto would love Radko Gudis for all of the reasons that you know we might have questions about him, uh, if that was the trade that was to happen, as opposed to trading Sam Bennett or Sam Reinhardt, which I really hope they don't do because that would be stupid, that would be something I could understand because I think they've gotten the most out of Gutis that they can. I, obviously, he's had not a bad season, of course, but you can more easily replace, say, Radko Gutis than you can anybody else. And the other cap gymnastics, I think you could make that work. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. If, and again, maybe you trade Gutis for a con—like, you know, it wouldn't be LTI, but you could trade, like, swap contracts or things of that nature— There could be cap gymnastics involved with that, too. But again, I think that's something that is, if it happened, could be considered and probably should be. But we'll see whether it is or not down the line. It's a question for Anthony Duclair. And again, we also don't know how long it is until he's going to play. And it's again, they got to keep kicking the can down the road. But now that they have a little bit more breathing room because of the Hornquist LTI. And again, maybe because it's a concussion, they're being extra cautious and that caution continues even longer because of, you know, it's a concussion and you certainly want to take those very seriously as we all agree. Everyone should do, you know, maybe that gives the Panthers a little bit more breathing room and more time to have to make a decision uh, on what to do to get to the cap. You know, again, the easiest hope would be hope that um, if it is serious with Hornquist that you just, maybe you shut him down and who knows, but again, we can't go that far. Uh, is there anything else in the Panthers you wanted to talk about? I think we've touched on just about everything.
1: They deserve a lot better than this. Uh, Meaning there's the parts are a lot better than this and they should be a lot better than this. And, uh, I really hope that they take the time, like we said, to improve, uh, and, and get better results. Um, and as I said, get some more goals because wh- it's a it better defense, you know, I mean the, the power, the power plays improving little by little. Um, they got us, the goals are improving little by little. Um, I, I guess, you know, the defense, uh, you know, I want to see better some changes there and stuff, but they, they need to start taking bigger steps because other teams around them are, I mean, they're, there's a lot of good hockey teams, and the goal is still to win a cup as soon as possible. Uh, so and missing I, the playoffs they have to go, would be have absolutely to be more catastrophic.
0: Aggress- Let's be clear here. They I can't miss the playoffs.
1: More, more aggressive, and that's in your internal planning and your external actions. So. Mm-hmm.
0: I think that this team, as I said, the problems that they exist are largely fixable if they want to fix them, and they can stare right at those opportunities to fix them. And I hope that now that they have a little bit of breathing room, you can actually go about fixing them. And that means, yes, Paul Maurice, you have to scratch the stalls at some point. Even if you want to use them come the playoffs, having them play every night is not going to get them in tip-top shape for when you need them in playoff games, for what he's obviously going to want them to do in playoff games. So if the Panthers get there, and it's not a guarantee that they do, obviously, you all have to, again, scratch them for their own benefit. Even if it's not something you want to do, please. Anyway, I, I think there are a couple other things I wanted to talk about in the league before we uh, wrap this show up. Again, Kevin Woodley going to be coming on hopefully in the next week or so, maybe sooner. Um, the Flyers are now bad, obviously good, but their entire team is hurt. So maybe now they yeah. can admit, and I guess they're starting to, that, you know, these things are going the way the Flyers fans kind of wanted them to. You know what I mean? In terms of, like, everyone finally recognizing that they're bad and the team is acknowledging that it's bad. Again, a lot of that's injuries. They've had terrible luck with injuries, and that sucks. But they're a bad team that is playing like a bad team and is where they should be in terms of the lottery. Yep. And the only positive is Carter Hart's playing pretty well and seems to have his confidence back.
1: Yeah, the goal now is top five, as in top five of the draft. Try to... I mean, there's probably three teams you're not going to be worse than. Uh, they've had a pretty good head start, but you can get as close to the bottom as physically possible and hope for some ping pong luck. Hope to you know, just be drafting as high as possible. There's, uh, I mean, I'm trying to think. If you're drafting in the top five or six, you should get a fantastic player. Um, if you're drafting like seventh or eighth, you're still going to get a good player. But uh, you know, if you could get four in, in or five, of, in terms of the tankathon,
0: overall would be would be great. In terms of the tankathon, um, it's clear that the Sharks and Ducks are absolutely in that mix. Coyotes and Blackhawks are absolutely in that mix. The only one in the East that is really there is Columbus, um, other than the Flyers. Um, the Sabres are going to try to win hockey games. They have to, uh, the Senators are going to try to win hockey games. They have to, they're not tearing it down. Um, that's really that group of teams, right? You know, again, we maybe see teams think about that at another point in time, but the Flyers can admit now that they're toast Just and these, the competition is, around them is not anywhere near as crazy as we thought it could be. Yeah, be as bad
1: as possible. Get the best odds. So when the NHL fixes it for you, so you can get Connor Bedard or Adam Fant- Fantilli. Just like you know, just give us a top three pick. You know, no one will suspect it. it's like, oh yeah, they were like fifth worst. That makes sense. They moved up. You know, just just try to win one of those lotos. You know, that's I, it's it's reasonable. It's reasonable. They're gonna want some big name team to do well in this draft.
0: I mean, but when you look at just the the way that is ideal in terms of just how a Flyers fans thinking about it, yeah, this Flyers team stinks. Everybody's hurt, so it's not as if, you know, they, ha- they have excuses, but everybody's hurt. Carter Hart is playing much better than anybody could have expected. If he even takes a mild downturn, the Flyers' results will get even worse. But Carter Hart has his confidence back, and you're going to need Carter Hart to have his confidence back in the future.
1: Torts is fine. You just have to figure out a way to clear wrist line contract one day. When you start to get good. That's, yeah. That's, I mean I mean but- if you can and you have to I think I think you have to get rid of Chuck. And you can't and I know a lot of people say, well then they can hire Briere or somebody. I think you have to get some somebody completely different because the 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 organizational rot inside the front office is just so so bad right now. They're making so many bad decisions. I don't think they should be in charge of whoever drafts this year moving forward. Well,
0: I mean, you know considering I mean? that you know they're going to get a slam dunk pick if they're as bad as we think they are, and they are. But I don't. I think they shouldn't be given seem to give it a lifeline. Basically, given
1: the realistic place of where they're going to draft. Four, five, six, you know, seven, eight. It's it's actually not going to be a sl- it, it's going to be a very consequential pick. Just like last year, we weren't that happy about Gauthier, and you know, there's gonna whether he's a center or not. It's gonna make a big difference and whether they can get get dr- draft high enough in 2023 to get a center to make up for it. Would will also go a big way, um, and you know, the difference between like. Uh, somebody that's like in the top tier, like a top, worthy of that top five, top six pick, versus somebody who's like only top seven, top eight, top nine good, is you know when when Philadelphia is really starting the rebuild, those are the core pieces you want to be that little bit better.
0: I guess the <laughs> only other team that could be considered as one that could fall into this rebuilding discussion or like really taking a nosedive, I guess, is Vancouver. I mean, I mean, suck. I think
1: every team out West almost is a threat. If they're not in the playoff picture, every team out West is almost a threat. It's a very haves and have not conference this year. That Pacific division is terrible. If Florida was in the Pacific division, uh, I think that they, we wouldn't even be talking about wow. things. So so, I mean, the, the, of the
0: fortune of being in a division with the team that's got 20 wins and three losses, it's insane. And, and one that has basically feasted on overtime losses all season in the Maple Leafs. Yeah, say they're, they're
1: in the hardest division versus the Pacific being the worst division. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, Ve- and, well, good for I Vegas to win
0: in all these games. That was kind of expected. The Oilers are – I, I don't even know what to say about the Oilers at this point. They're even more – Yeah, than, I mean,
1: like, Seattle's not that
0: great. They – I, I don't know what to think about the Kraken because they have been winning games and you've seen them play well, but then you watch them against, again, the husk of the Florida Panthers get raced out of their own building. And the best team in hockey last year lost to them twice. That's yikes. I don't know what to think. Of, they might make the playoffs, but I don't know what to think of them. Because, and you shouldn't take one result and extrapolate it much further, but I do think that if this Panthers team is doing that to you, which the Panthers could do to nobody at this point. We need to have a discussion. Um, either way. Um, yeah, the Kraken are, are weird. A couple other things I think I wanted to mention uh, about uh, this this weird year. Um, can, we, can we laugh at Jordan Bennington some?
1: Oh, I hate that guy. He's the one guy I wish didn't have a cup to brag about. Like, really? Like, I hate that he gets to go to that when he starts mouthing off
0: i was that the most Jordan Bennington thing you've ever seen on saturday night
1: when when your coach tells says in the press you need to knock it off and stuff when usually what set you know that kind of stuff is inside the locker room and they don't really talk about it and you don't put down your own team and all that stuff and i I mean, I think it just goes to show that he he probably does this on a daily basis he's probably this annoying pretty consistently He is
0: the goalie equivalent of a Twitter reply guy.
1: Uh, I mean, he, I think, yeah. I mean, I think he has the, uh, grading factor of, uh, automated voice in TikTok videos.
0: Yeah, I could, I could buy that, like
1: that, you know, like, I mean, Maybe everything is a sleeper is agent for him. the
0: Chinese government. Who knows?
1: I mean, it, it wouldn't make me hate him anymore because like, y- you can't be worse. I just really don't like Yikes. players. Like, like I don't know. Like goalies are supposed to be weird and out of their minds in like a goofy, silly way and like oddballs and stuff. They're not supposed to be this. They're uh, not supposed to be they're that. They're supposed to be the guy that uh, is so well-liked that guys are willing to take penalties and take bruises and take punches in the face to make their job. How much and life do you easier. think his
0: teammates are willing to stand up for his antics even though they have to? I
1: I mean, I don't know. I think I think we're getting close to seeing it, to finding out.
0: Cuz I don't think I've ever really seen in my time watching the sport, you've been doing it longer than I have. I don't think I've ever seen a goalie walks so close to the line with his own team that they can't defend the antics. You'll see teams defend their goalies for doing all sorts of, you know, nonsense stuff, right? <laughs> right.
1: Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I mean,
0: they'll get him for, you know, the the sneaky, dirty stuff that the goalies might do, the sneaky, you know, oh, I'm going to shake my mask off, you know, I'm going to knock the, goal- the the nets off the pegs, things like that. Yeah. So they do a lot calls, for their goalies. Slashes. Yep. It's, it's, yeah. Jordan Bennington is is one of a kind. It gives us something to talk about because the antics are, I have to admit, as a non-Blues fan, really quite funny. Watching someone melt down like that.
1: Can you can you imagine, like, signing him to a bigger cap hit than Billy Huso got in Detroit and having the pick? And is not doing that bad this year. He's doing pretty solidly, especially for Detroit. And uh, instead you got... You know, term left with Bennington, who are you probably about have to the, I mean,
0: just to switchly quickly switch gears. Are you mentioned the Red Wings? Are you worried about them? You know, I don't know. Yes, if gonna absolutely. Continue. I, I, I
1: constantly joke, but I mean this seriously. When Florida has to get rid of Barkov because they can't get over the hump, I'm going to become a Red Wings fan. Like 100 percent certainty. I think they're building the right way. They have multiple players who play the game that the way I want to play. They seem to have success. Eiserman's building it. You know, uh, they're going to have a pretty good draft pick this year um, because anywhere they pick, Red Wings consistently show that they can put like, find value there and put it to good use. Um, I'm, I am worried about them. But I'm worried about them stealing me away from Florida because uh, I, I'm i a Florida fan because, I mean, I like the Palm Tree logo and stuff like that. But, you know, I like the idea of what they were trying to do with the blueprint and with this core and everything. If they squander it, they squander Barkov, Ekblad, you know, Matt Kachuk now in his prime who's – on pace to have another 100 point season. Uh, what Lundell, what, yeah, Lundell and Spencer Knight, you know, uh, g- getting fours, living and, and you know, having you know, some su- a lot of success in different areas, but then you know, um, hanging on to a lot of the fatal flaws they've always had. Uh, what would be the point of sticking around to go through another core, to go through the pain of three or four more years when I can get in on the beginning of the Detroit Red Wings starting to do their playoff runs and stuff like that? Um, you know, two of my favorite defensemen uh, in the world right now, one's a Red Wings prospect, the other one is Maurice Seider. So, you know...
0: Yeah, hey, I I I can't blame you. I mean, when I cover this team, I cover and, and them because I keep doing I'm not it. Saying so, saying
1: this is happening, I'm saying this is going to happen if Florida wastes Barkov's prime. But I mean, even this year as a,
0: as a as a team, like I don't know if the Red Wings are going to hang around, but they're hanging around, so you have to take them seriously. Yeah. I, you and, never and, and had to all, take all Ottawa the, seriously cuz that was obviously going all of this yeah. was going to happen with the Senators no well, matter what. You never had to take Buffalo seriously but i always felt you kind of had to take troy more seriously than the panthers and everyone had been taking them seriously
1: you have to take them seriously because their owners it's family owned it's not corporate they they want to win the cup again they want to they want to be the glory days detroit red, red wings again they have a big, brand new building. They want to pack it. They want to see trophies raised there, banners raised there, uh, and the guy running the ship is Steve Eiserman, and he has a killer instinct. And he, he still has something to prove. He, you know, he left Tampa before they really won. He left
0: them before they won. You know,
1: before they got to where they are. He, he can take solace in that he built them and everything. But he, his killer instinct is proving that I can win more cups than the Lightning has won with the Red Wings. That's his goal.
0: Mean, I, I
1: bet you. I bet you. He's probably written it down over a hundred times that that's his goal. It certainly feels <laughs> like. I mean, that's, You know, he's a focused killer, and and that's what Florida needs. Needs. They need Zito to be that. They need Maurice to be that. They need Barkov to be that. You know, they need Montour to develop that defensively to want to shut down God.
0: I, I do want to say just to wrap this positions. up, as you, as you, you're right, but I do want to say this. Like, for all that we have said about the Panthers and their marginal moves, like, just to end this on a, on a, on a note that is, is positive, like, I can't say that, the, I mean, it's too early to say who want a trade 20 games into a new season, 25 games, but you think the Panthers are happier with Matthew Kachuk than the Flames are right now? I would say so.
1: Yes, but again, if I'm the Flames, I can spin that too. I mean, yes, Kachuk's doing great. Huberto and Weger aren't. But you still got a top – you still got probably your second best defenseman on the team when he when Weger levels out. And I think – I haven't checked the data recently, but I did watch a couple games, and it looked to me like he was starting to find a little more – of his confidence, but him with Rasmus Anderson, who's like just a better version of Weger is, is pretty awesome. You have that, you have that for some term, you have, a, oh, you I, have your I, cup window for there. You have Huberto who, again, he might not be Kachuk. He might not be Rob Ro- Robertson, but he is still uh, a, a top winger in the game and he's going to be for a few years. Uh, so it's really just like, you know, it it was a harder landing than they thought. I guess maybe because they got the contracts done, they thought, oh well this'll just work out smoothly. But, you know, they there's a lot of hockey, there's a lot of on ice. You know, Huberto is a very much timing guy. He needs to understand people's routes and habits and trends and where where they like to go to to find the open puck and so he can give it to them and things like that and and Uyghur you know, was used to being the guy, was used to getting the prime minutes, was used to getting, you know, especially the last couple of years with Ekblad's injury, used to, you know, not having everything tailored to him. Um, and with Sutter, that is not the case at all. And uh, it, I think it's going to take him a Their long Their
0: numbers are pretty good. There's nothing to say that that's wrong about that. But I think just the entirety of that Flames team is taking way longer to develop. Yeah. I mean, I mean whatever it, it happens, significant, what like, happened, I mean, we, we talked
1: just... about, sorry, sorry, we t- sorry to interrupt, but we talked about, you know, earlier how much change the Panthers inadvertently got into because of the Kachuk trade, but you know, the flames had even more. I mean, kadri's in an addition. I mean, they're, they have a new top line winger. They have a new t- second line center. Um, they have a new, number two defenseman and their goalie Markstrom is having a bad year who boy has he after he had a great year I mean luckily they have Ladar who's you know a a good to great backup you know depending on you know how he's how he's doing because like every goalie it's ups and downs right so I mean I think they're still in great position especially with how weak the Pacific is I'm 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 saying in if I'm in Calgary's room I'm saying Edmonton sputtering, man. They're still not taking a step forward. The team that's taking the step forward is Seattle Kraken. Ha, I'm not worried about them. You know, it's, it's, yeah, Vegas is back on track, but with Jack Eichel, you know, as long as he was healthy, you knew eventually they would get back on track. They got goaltending luck. We don't, but I, I still feel good about us in the long run with this core, with this, you know, component. I still think the next two to three years, we're a team to contend with. We're a team that has a shot at the Cup.
0: I, oh, I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying that what is really interesting to me is just how much harder it's been for the flame. I mean, the Panthers have had changes too, let's be honest. But how much harder it's been for Uberdo. That was his fourth goal of the year. He scored on on Tuesday, which was bonkers. I to mean, me. to your to
1: your point that you always bring up, though. Uh, I mean, and, and for different reasons, but Florida's a washing machine, a car wash.
0: It is they, a car wash. You're right. They
1: they are good at making people feel welcomed and part of it, and comfortable, and putting them in good places to succeed right away. Not just Kachuk, but Mahora, but Forsling. You know, like a lot of these guys. I mean, other than the stalls, but i don't think that's anything even i even
0: i have started to give up on the nick cousins thing but i mean
1: like the flames to foley maybe is like the only one i can think of who had immediate success you know they don't really get that many new players really too much anyway especially marquee guys So the marquee guys have always kind of been built with it. I think that
0: makes sense when you you think think of the fact that the the Flames are not the kind of team that attracts star talent to it, you know, by decision. Like Matthew Kachuk decided he wanted to go to Florida, and the Panthers made that happen. You know, Jonathan Uberto and Mackenzie Wieger did not decide to go to Calgary. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's not like this is something Florida's been good at forever. No, no, no. you know, three years that they've been desirable
0: (laughs) it's been three years since they turned themselves into a car wash but that's why i kept saying to go back to the point at the top of this like for all that isn't working for this team right now there's still plenty that is and those small tweaks can turn the panthers back into something closer to what we thought they would be and what they still pretty much are and i think the flames i know they beat the panthers twice and i get that maybe it's cathartic for flames fans even though the team isn't as good as the panthers are right now considering the flaws but i think that what it, what it is teaching us is that the foundation of a team that you build like even if you change a ton of players and coaches like it can if you have built a strong foundation it actually can be stronger than you would think even after all of this like i think it's been proven like in vegas even after last year Sure, health has helped, but that's a strong foundation they have, even after all that they've futzed around. You know what I mean? Uh, right. Boston has that too, where the Bruins, it, it's a last dance here, but look at what they still have. You know what I mean? And the Panthers, even with the issues that they have, and there are documented issues, the foundation of this team is in many ways stronger than I think we thought it was. And the guys that they kept around, are stronger than we thought. Like that, The backbone of this team is really, really still pretty damn good. And for all that I have, you know, and we have criticized Bill Zito and Paul Maurice for the things they've done, the backbone is still very much there. The last team I want to talk about before we go is New Jersey, because we, we have to. I have Devils fan friends, but also they're really good. Uh, and I want to say that this team can be more than just last year's Panthers or, you know, the Quenville Panthers. But this team, every time I see them and every time I watch them and hear people talk about them, I'm like, well, this is just the Quenville Panthers. Like, I know Lindy Ruff's the head coach, but all of the things I see is like, this is Andrew Burnett's team already, which means it's going to end how Andrew Burnett's teams have ended recently, which I was telling a friend of mine this, and he's like, well, I'm just happy that they're in the playoffs, and I understand that they made one playoff appearance in 10 years and haven't won a playoff game. I get what that feels like. You're not going to like it very much when they get eliminated by a team that simply outcoaches you in ways you weren't expecting.
1: Yeah, and maybe it's not outcoached. Maybe it's, you know, you look down the center of their ice. Uh, they have some very offensive centers. Uh his share is,
0: is very good defensively. He's, and he's, I'm so really happy that they're him. winning. It's great to see them winning. It's awesome. But I know how it's going to end because I know how it ended for Florida in yeah. the exact I, same I way. I just
1: wish that they had more, more his shares on the team, uh, a little more structure and stuff. Like They're very fluid. They're very offensively talented. They're get, they're, they know how to finish uh, something Florida doesn't know how to do. Uh, they got some guys like Brett. Uh, Brat sorry that uh, I really I I just I I think is exciting but he's not just somebody that gets you out of the seat because you know he's got hands and a lot of talent it's because he leverages it in a way that tilts the ice and and really takes over a game Um, it's you know he doesn't just break it out every once in a while or something it's something that drives the game uh, and really becomes you know the center effect of the game Uh, A a lot when he's on. So uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, like they're they're really fun to watch and everything. But you're looking at their goaltending. You look at some. You look at their 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 names on the roster and stuff. And it's like, I I think that they probably can do something down the line. But this year, I. I, w- I want to see how they do down the stretch before I start making any playoff series Like predictions. if you're
0: if you're going up against, let's say it's Pittsburgh in the play. It's too early to say this, but they're going to make the right. playoffs obviously. But let's say they go up against a team with a, you know, a hard-nosed, rough-edged, you know, coach who can elevate you at the margins. We saw what that was like last year when the Panthers went up against it. And even the first time around against the Lightning, we saw what happened. I mean, even this, the Capitals. I mean. yo, the, well, that's what I was saying last year, certainly against Washington. But, like, let's say it's Pittsburgh or anybody else that gets into the playoffs. Like, I just don't – and I don't want to say that that's a bad thing because the Devils finally winning is awesome. Winning is fun, you know, and that building's very fun. I just keep seeing what people say about the Devils, and I keep thinking this is exactly what I said about Florida last year, man and I know how it ended, and I think it's going to end the same way for New Jersey because this kind of hockey, it's awesome, it's wonderful, it's brilliant, but there are limitations to it, and the limitations, they have not seen those limitations yet, but when I know that those limitations are coming because I've seen this movie play out, and the Panthers last year and the year before it played out this way, it ends when you go up against a team that knows what it's got to do to get you off your game. Because the other thing that we haven't seen with New Jersey yet is what happens when teams actually put them off their game. Like they're winning a crap ton of games. It's great. Their goaltending is better than I thought. Vanacek's been really good and that's good to see. And Schmidt's been a decent backup now that Blackwood's, you know, been hurt. But when teams actually put them off their game, when they go up against those teams that know how to do that and are going to, you know, take that ability away from them to dictate the tempo of a game, what's going to happen? Because on that winning streak, they didn't really play a bunch of those teams. Did they like now you're going to play against those teams and it's going to be a really tricky ride for them. Also, I think it's got to be said that Andrew Burnett's going to be a head coach next year somewhere. So this might be a one season wonder anyway.
1: Well, I mean, I'm not going to say that this is a Brunette I don't effect. think this is a one-season, you know, not a no, one-season no, no, one.
0: They're going to be good for a while. but no, no, like, no, but, I mean,
1: they were on track. This was the trend that they established all last year before Brunette even showed off. Uh, this is true. Know, they I, did
0: spend all their time saying, hey, our advance I mean, numbers are far they, better than our results.
1: All, all the players that... Are playing the same way they played before, and most of them were all there before Brunette. This is I, true. I mean, you know, Jack Hughes is is Jack Hughes, and he's awesome. And that's driving a lot of things. I mean, I want to know if Jack Hughes, you know, and this isn't a put down. This is not me saying I don't think Jack Hughes is the top center, but I I think it's until you see it in the playoffs and stuff. Like, is he just going to end up being a Barzell once teams get tape on him and get set on him, and when they know they have to sh- shut him down and stuff, they can they can handle it and stuff. And... Some of what
0: we're also seeing from this Devils team is also, like, Jonas Siegenthaler is elevating, and, like, that's awesome. Like, he's a good defenseman. But, you know, we saw what happens when, you know, a similar team elevates defensemen that you're not you're not used to seeing in that kind of way get to that. Like John Marino is a little bit more of an assure thing. We know what Dougie Hamilton is, of course. And you know, they've got a lot of those tools, but as I said, I don't know what this team's capable of in the playoffs. I don't think anybody inside that building cares at this moment and that's fine, but it's just on my mind because I keep seeing these results for New Jersey and I'm thinking back to what I saw the last couple of years with the Panthers. And I can't help but think of these things being very similar. And that's not to say that it won't end well for New Jersey and it can't end better than it did for Florida. But these are just things that pop up in my head, and I felt yeah, like I had to say not, that at some point on a podcast. I'm not
1: scared. I'm not scared of New Jersey at all. Like in any season, I mean, in any series, like first round, second round, third round. It doesn't matter how many rounds they win uh, this year. I'm not fearing them this year. Uh, you know, if they beat if they beat you, they beat you. I mean, they're going to they're going to have to beat you on talent and and turning it into a scoring match and. Uh, I, I think that that's the best way I like, would want
0: I don't to think the team in the playoffs, to be well, honest. No, 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 you're right. But, like, as I said, like, if they play Boston in the playoffs, the Bruins, I feel, probably just truck them. You know, if they play Tampa again.
1: Well, they, they're
0: they not going to have to play. No, they're not going to have to. I mean,
1: and that's that's the biggest thing. Like, they might win a series because it'll be two wild card teams playing each other in the playoffs. Kind of. Yeah, no, you're right. Like, like they they, they have the
0: advantage of not know, having I, to play in the Atlantic Division. And the teams that might make it in the Metro are the Islanders who might get there just on a goalie bender and Carolina, who we know what happens when they play in the playoffs.
1: Right, yeah. I mean, the only thing that I can hope for is Carolina eventually catches up into New Jersey. But, I mean, if I'm Florida and I'm going to end up with a wild card spot, I want to play New Jersey over Boston oh, 100%. Hell yeah, you know, am I'm 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 hoping New Jersey racks up more points than Boston, and I just can can win less, and you know, I don't know. And then it works out perfect for Florida, I guess. But um, I'd be much more worried about playing Carolina uh, I mean, or I'd Pittsburgh be... or a team like Pittsburgh.
0: Oh yeah, like that's 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 that kind of thing. And here's what's really funny about it, and I can't believe I might be saying this about Paul Maurice, and I'm going to leave you on this thought, everyone. There might be a chance that in that hypothetical scenario that we just laid out that obviously we are far away from even considering. But maybe there's a chance that in those particular set of circumstances, Paul Maurice's Paul Maurice stuff might actually work out.
1: Because he's done against Lindy expected. Ruff stuff. <laughs> It'll
0: be Paul Maurice
1: versus Lindy Ruff in the first That'll Paul Maurice massive... versus
0: Lindy Ruff's Andrew Brunette fueled run. Like, I I can't believe I'm saying that, but... In that very hypothetical scenario, maybe the Palmerie stuff actually works. I don't know. And on that note, hopefully we'll have a uh, show coming with you very soon with Kevin Woodley to talk about goaltending. Uh, if we do, I'll post about it, and you're going to love it. We'll have more coming soon on lobby. And Until then, of course, good night and good hockey.